I'd like to take a moment of my time to go back to the missions conference that we will start on Wednesday evening. There is a schedule or some thoughts, uh, some, some information in your bulletin as well as in this one here. Uh, normally, every year we do fellowship time afterwards each evening. We have uh, ice cream or we have something or other going on afterwards. Uh, that is not the case this year. As you know, we don't have a gym that's available for us for fellowship events right now. And uh, therefore, that's changed some things for us. Um, and so, very unusually, we will not have at all a Saturday morning breakfast this year. We will not have a Sunday evening meal together prior to our final service as we normally do uh, there in the gym and just enjoy a time of fellowship together. Um, this is kind of part of our tradition, but we're going to not do either of those this year. We will have one event um, that will be Wednesday night, this Wednesday, following our service. We're going to have, um, we're going to set up some tables down the basement, kind of like we did with the pies last October when we did our Harvest Home service, and uh, hope that you can stay for munching some snacks or vegetable trays kind of thing, and talk with each other and talk with our missionaries who are here. And speaking of those missionaries, um, I, was, I was amazed this morning as I looked at the sheets that are at the door downstairs to see a whole lot of blank lines um, when it comes to uh, taking a missionary out for a meal or having them at their home for your home for a meal or even in one case, lodging. And I thought to myself, I cannot believe that somebody would come, this uh, particular couple is a, um, a couple who are in Belize, in Central America, Todd and Shirley Stone. This is the first time they have been with us. And I thought to myself, I can't believe they would drive 3,000 miles and we'd put them up in a hotel. That, that none of us, no one in our church family could have somehow a situation that we could give them hospitality in their home, that we could say, hey, here's a bedroom, here's a bathroom, help yourself, make yourself at home. These people are easygoing, and I can tell you what, they're not, uh, they're not a burden and they're not trouble. And I just couldn't believe that somehow in our whole congregation that we didn't have some, somebody who could open their homes. And then it dawned on me, everybody's waiting on somebody else. We all want to, but we're just, we're just kind of hesitant because we're thinking, oh, somebody else probably wants to. Um, well, I think at this point, we should quit waiting for somebody else. So I hope, I hope somebody can uh, keep them that we, you know, we could put them in a hotel. Sure, we could do that. But how is that getting to know them? And how is that practicing hospitality? So uh, I'm going to just throw that out there as a challenge here this morning. We have one couple yet who who just, we don't have housing provided for them. They're here, they come in Wednesday afternoon and they'll leave Sunday afternoon. And uh, it's my understanding they're going to be visiting like some battlefields or some running around. So they're not going to be kind of following you around all the time saying, what am I supposed to do next? Uh, you don't need to worry about any of that. These are independent people. They just, we just would like to provide a place they could come to, a bed they could sleep in, and, uh, you know, have facilities for their, for their ministry, but I promise you, as I have heard many people say, and Cindy and I have experienced as well, if you open your home 
to a missionary couple for a couple of days, you will be the one blessed, not them. You will get more out of it and more benefits from just sharing in them, getting to know them and the scope of their work and whatever conversations that you have with them, you will be blessed. I remember the very first time, the very first year that I was here, uh, we had a missionary with us and his wife named Dick Hillis. And he ended up staying with Cindy and I and his wife. And uh, I have never forgotten that all these years later. Some of the stories he told, some of the things that he shared left an impact upon me all those years ago just from simply having him sit on our couch or have a meal with us once in a while. But other people were helping with meals. So look at those papers down there. If, if you could take a missionary out for a meal or bring him to your house or something, that's, that's part of what we do and we need. So I want to, we just got a couple of days left. I want to mention that. Okay, this is February, talking about money. And I don't have a lot of time, but I have a lot to say about money. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about the managing money, basically also anticipating that money will come through my hands in my lifetime. What, what do I want to leave behind as having accomplished with the money that the Lord gives to me? Um, and so we talked about a, a little bit of the idea of managing or of, 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 of anticipating and planning and, and even giving money both to the Lord and to uh, our fellow men, and so forth. I want today to really touch on what I think is the most important part of money or any of God's resources at all, and that is the reality that, we, that the way of actually handling them in life is to surrender them to the Lord, just surrender our hearts to the Lord, surrender who we are to the Lord and say, understand that these things and this stuff, it's, it's not mine in the sense that I dug it up, and I'm going to hang on to it. It's mine to manage, but it really is yours, and so I don't have uh, as much right as you do to direct it, to direct the flow of it. And so this idea of, of being open to sharing or parceling out or giving or directing as God leads or as God uh, shows me, is what I'm calling being surrendered to the Lord, surrender, surrendering, first of all, my own heart. Uh, I have used as a thought to tie these together, this statement, but I've not, really, I've not really talked about this statement. So I'd like to come back in the Gospel of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, and talk about this phrase or this statement that Jesus made when he said, which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone. Now, I want to notice, first of all, what Jesus did not say. He did not say, which of you, if a stranger asked for bread, would give him a stone? He did not say, which of you, if your enemy would come and ask you for bread, uh, you'd give him a stone? Because some of us probably would. He did not say, if your ex-wife Ask you for bread, would you give her a stone? Because some of us would say, oh yeah. <laughs> the key or the, the, the point that Jesus is making, her ex-husband, I get it. The point that Jesus is making is there's a relationship here that he's referring to. You notice he's dealing with a son 
And then later, I have an underline there. He talks about you give good gifts. You have this desire in your heart to give good gifts. He doesn't say to a stranger or an enemy or whatever. He says to your children. So the emphasis of Jesus here is the reality that this is a parent-child relationship, which he's just using in this moment, and that contains very much love. So the reason that I would never give a stone to my child is because I love them. And therefore, if they need a bread, they're not going to get a stone from me. It all has to do with love. It all has to do with the surrender of my heart and the connection of my heart and the relationship of my heart to this person. That explains everything about why I would, give them, uh, would not give them a stone, but I would give them bread if they asked for bread, if I could, if I had bread. This is just a, this is just a teaching point that he's, he's saying there's a principle here. Um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of this. I could maybe illustrate this. I need two volunteers. Um, one of them needs to be my wife. <laughs> She's just hung her head. Caleb, or who, who's somebody? Uh, all right, Will, they're both pointing at you. Let's just take a second. Just, it won't take long. I don't know what I'm going to do in the second service because I need you to make this point. But first of all, let Will come first, if you don't mind. But you both are going to ask me the same thing. I just want you to ask me for some money. Can I have some money? Well, first of all, who are you? Uh, why do you want money? What are you going to do with it? Um, why are you asking of me? How much money do you want? Is that enough questions? Okay. Okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. How much? You see the difference? He asked me for money. I don't even hardly know who he is. Well, I really do. But. And my first response is to fire a bunch of questions back in. What do you want money for? How much do you want? What are you going to do with it? And all these things. Like, like, I'm really contemplating giving him a stone. I may not give him bread. She asked for money. I didn't even ask how much, right? I just say, oh, yes. <laughs> because she's going to get whatever she asks of me. Because I love her. <laughs> you can go. You can sit down. I missed it, but I'm probably glad. It's not about the money as much as it's about the son and the father or the children or the husband or the wife. The issue is not the finances or the dollars. The issue is the heart. The issue is the love. So that leads me to this, that the, the reality that the motivation for my giving is not the person who asks. Both of those people that came up here asked me for money. 
but you could see how differently I responded to them. <clears throat> and that's because <clears throat> I had a different attitude toward them by the time, from the time I first saw them. My heart was open to one already just when she walked up there. My heart was pretty well almost closed to the other one. I'm sorry, Will, but I didn't ever plan to give you anything. <laughs> almost from the start, my heart was closed to the idea of giving money to this person because I didn't have a relationship with them in the same way that I had with this other person. And of course, that's just simply... Um, that's just simply a, a, an, an illustration. But here's the point that I'm trying to say. Long before the appeal is made or the answer is given, the attitude is set in somebody's heart. That's the starting point. And if that attitude is surrendered unto the Lord... If the person who's being asked is closed off, then the appeal's dead in the water. I suppose all of you have done like I have. At times I get fundraising letters in the mail that I toss in the trash. Now I don't even open them. I apologize if you think that's, if you think that's barbarian behavior. But I don't know these people. I don't have the first, I don't have the first inch of, of compassion towards their cause or whatever they're raising money for. I don't even know what it is. I don't even trust it. And so they ask me for money, and I just throw it, throw it in the trash because I already know it's a waste of time to read it because I'm not going to give to them. Why? My heart is already closed off. The attitude is already set to zero. There's zero chance or zero percentage chance that this person is going to get a gift from me. So, uh, if I could say it this way, if someone we love and respect asks for bread, this is Jesus' point, if your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. Yeah, you give him the whole loaf. If Cindy asks for, for bread, I, I'll give her the whole loaf, if necessary. If someone I do not love or respect not only ask, they can even get out on their knees and beg. And I may well just give them crumbs. I mean, I may, if I, I, I may be so persuaded by their tears or whatever that I would give them a little bit. But they're going to drag it out of me and, and it's going to be much more reluctant. I deal with this all the time, personally, as, as your pastor. Um, you, you need to know that we help many folks who... I have no relationship with, and this church has no relationship with, who call or stop by as strangers or anonymous people asking for financial help. It happens, it happens every week, uh, sometimes almost every day of the week. That the, in fact, it's gotten, you know, I, I, I've done this enough and for a long enough time that I can pretty well tell when the phone rings. <laughs> I mean, the phone's got a special ring. With, uh, Cindy, Cindy, called, Cindy left a message for me the other day. She said, this was at her house. She said, somebody, somebody called, um, and they wanted you to call them back, and I couldn't catch the name. They said their name, like, real fast, and I said, oh, they want money, because that's a very typical thing. Hello, Pastor, my name is Tony, and uh, I want, can you please call me back at one, two, three, four? It's like that every time. It's, it's almost like 
first of all, they're probably calling like 25 different organizations. But they're almost hesitant to ask because they know they have no right to ask or reason to ask except for the fact that they hope somebody will pay their bills for them. And many times folks will even say to me, well, I'm calling all the churches. I'm just kind of going through the directory and this and that. I, I, I know from the tone of voice, from the first second I say hello, what, what this calls about. If it's just an anonymous stranger basically looking for someone to help them because they're there. And I always am very, very reluctant at that point because I have no relationship. I don't trust them to start with. And I, and I start stacking up some guards to say, well, number one, they could be lazy. Number two, they could be irresponsible. They could be rebellious. They could be just trying to take advantage of other people and so forth and so forth. If they can get through that, Perhaps I will help them, and we do help. I'm simply saying we do help, but sometimes I give them crumbs compared to what I would give or make available for you if one of you walked in and said, Pastor David, um, I'm in a situation and I need this kind of help running. I, I, would, I would do everything possible to help you because we have a relationship. Because there's already love, there's already openness. In other words, this is like a father and the child versus a, 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 myself and a stranger. And so I'm saying all this to say this. You know, last week I made a point, God asked us to give. He says, well, the first part of it, the first part of your whole income is mine. I want you to give it. So how, if I do that, depends on what kind of relationship I have with him. If God's just a beggar to me, like everybody else, then I'm not going to give him much either. Because uh, I, don't have, I don't have any respect or compassion for him any more than I have any other anonymous person. But the more that I get to know God and love God and understand he's not the beggar, he's the, he's the one who has the right to everything, that's when I just open up and say, well, you don't even need to ask. It's yours. It all belongs to you. Just come and take it. You know, the other, uh, give you an illustration of this. Cindy can maybe remember this. I don't know. This was a couple weeks ago. I was, on Wednesday night, I was back here talking with someone right after our service had ended. <clears throat> I was kind of having an intense conversation with somebody. And uh, my wife came up, and I didn't even notice her, and she obviously didn't want to interrupt me. And the first that I realized she was there, I felt something bump against my hip. I felt my hand going like this, and I felt my wallet going out of my pocket. <laughs> and I kind of glanced around. I kind of glanced around, and I saw it was Cindy, and she was extracting something there. <clears throat> and, and I'm not telling this to joke, but to just simply make a point. It never bothered me for a second. I never hesitated about it. I never asked her how much money do you, are you after, or what, or what are you doing with my money? I, I never, there wasn't even, I kept right on talking. Didn't even phase me, because, because the relationship that we have, my money is her money, or her money is my money, or if I say it another way, I don't have money, we have money. That's just how we live, because of the love that we share. In other words, a manifestation of our love 
it comes out in the money and everything else. That it's just it's just ours. We share together. So it it didn't it didn't worry me. It didn't make me angry. It didn't cause me any bit of hesitance hesitancy when when she came. She didn't, in other words, she didn't come and say, "Can I have some bread?" She just took it because she needed it for whatever. I don't even know know what it was. It didn't really matter. Because the relationship, the, the father-son thing, the wife-husband thing was already in place first. And so Jesus said, that's the key. And if that's what it should be, then nobody's going to ask for bread and get a stone back in return. But without that, or apart from that, it may well happen. Relationship motivates giving. That's why we have these missions conferences, for example. You know, next Sunday morning, I'm going to be asking you to give in pledge, in, in, in promise, to give money throughout, throughout this next year. But, but you're not just giving it, I hope. You're not just giving it uh, out of guilt or out of, out of concern or whatever. I hope you're giving it because you say, oh, I know this dude. He's a very wonderful person, and the work he does is amazing, and, I'm, and this is a trustworthy cause, and this is an important thing. How do I know that? Well, I know that because I sat and talked with him. I saw him. I listened to him. I saw his pictures. This is why we do this, so that the relationship, we can get that right, and we can get that excited, and the money will come. The, the money will happen out of a willing heart, because relationship motivates. Uh, quickly, what is it that motivates our giving? About anything. Sometimes, uh, the, uh, you may think of other items here. I just put down a couple ideas that I think are reasons that people might give at times to other people. Sometimes I've bought Girl Scout cookies, not because I was thrilled with the Girl Scouts or because I like the cookies. They just hit me up, and I just uh, was too nice to say no. And sometimes we give things just to be nice. Sometimes uh, we give money just to be helpful uh, to somebody else. Um, I always get, and I know some of you get, a lot of the little postcards when the kids are raising money for their band instruments or for their band. They're selling these chocolate bars and all this stuff. I don't care about any of that. I don't even eat candy particular much. But I buy it because I want to help them. You know, these little these beautiful kids come and say, Pastor Dave, can you buy some candy bars or whatever? Yeah, I will. Not just because I'm nice, but they're doing it for a good cause for themselves. I'm sorry that they have to do that, but that's how it is these days. Sometimes we give, not just to be nice, but actually, we actually are concerned or we care about a situation. This earthquake in Turkey and all kinds of disaster relief that we come up against. Um, we, we, we give not just to be nice, we actually want to help somebody and we're concerned about a cause that someone is raising money for. Sometimes... Uh, once in a while, we give 
because we feel like somehow or other it's going to come back and bless us in the end. You know, maybe I'll just give an example. Maybe a business takes out an advertisement and they're giving money that goes towards a particular program or cause, but they really are hoping to see their name in the program and they hope that that comes back to benefit. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just simply saying it's one of the reasons that people give, that actually it comes back to themselves. But what Jesus is saying to us in this little verse is that the only reliable indicator of giving and the only uh, ultimate and reliable motivator for giving is love. And that as a Christian, my giving unto the Lord should be because of love. He's the father. I'm the child. He asked me for bread. Am I going to give him a stone? Of course not. If I have a relationship with him as I should, um, I will be thrilled to pass this on. I will be thrilled to... Uh, in other words, the relationship gives such joy to the giving that it takes away all hesitation. <clears throat> I remember, uh, I thought about this last night. <clears throat> Many years ago, my mother took care of an elderly lady for years and years and years. She's a single lady, never was married. And when she died, she, gave, she left my mother, gave my mother $40,000, and my mother was shocked. She didn't see this coming or, or dream that this was coming, and this lady, she didn't even know that she had this money. $40,000 she gave to my, money, to my mother. <clears throat> my mother didn't hold on to that, I don't think, for a week. She said, I got four kids, and uh, this money... Is bl this money needs to bless them because as, as this, is, this is what a motivation or a relationship of love does. It says, uh, because I love, I want to give. And my mother said, I don't want this money. I want my children to have this money. So she gave each of us kids $10,000, which was a surprise to me. I didn't know or think about her, hadn't planned on her or anything. And I'm like, wow, $10,000. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Uh, I think it was the very same week, our son, who was about 12 years old, something like that, had gone to the dentist. And the dentist said, we got a problem. we got an issue. Uh, if, if you don't do something, this isn't going to end up well. And I said, Doc, how much does this cost? He said, $10,000. <laughs> and, and I'm asking you, I'm just simply using this as an illustration, do you think that I even hesitated with this money? I think the same week it came into my account, it went out of my account. And I was so blessed to be able to help him with his situation with his teeth because somebody had blessed somebody else and they had passed it on to me. And it was all, all about love. The reason that, that there was no hesitancy on my part was the same reason there was no hesitancy on my mother's part. She wanted to give it to me. I wanted to bless him or to help him or to give it to him. Um, when I give out of love, my gift is not measured by quantity. It's measured by quality. And there's, uh, there's just so much there we could stop and talk about, but we don't have time. Here's, the, here's the, the bottom line, I guess I'd say. Love never asks, how much do I have to do? How much do I have to give? Oh, i got to give a tenth? Oh, love doesn't look at that part or ask that part or dwell on that part. Love, this is, you know, to go back to my mother's money that came to her. 
her, her motivation was, how can I give? How much can I give? And she gave it all to me. And I said, how much can I give? And I gave it all to him. And someday he'll give it all somewhere else. But <clears throat> this is the reality that Jesus is trying to get at when he says, look, it's your father, or it's your son, or it's your, your, your neighbor who you love dearly, or it's your fellow church member that asks for this. That's the point. It's not just the asking, because the asking is going to always be there, and it's always going to go on, but it's about what is the relationship with this person. If it's your son that asks for bread, then you're going to do all that's possible because you love because you love them. What is God looking for in our giving? Very, very quickly. That we understand His ownership. And I have some scriptures there for you to look at when you have more time. That we surrender to, we accept and we surrender to His ownership. Because knowing about it and actually putting it into practice in your own life are necessarily two different things. That we love and seek His kingdom. This is what Jesus said. If you do that, I'll take care of all the, the, the financial needs that you have. I will take care of the needs for clothing and food. He said, you know, people, some, a lot of people who, who don't understand this, they really run after this other stuff. And Jesus said, you don't have to run after that. You run after me, and I will make sure that you get enough of that other stuff that you need. <clears throat> and so this is what I want to close with, and I want to read this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because it's saying to me that the circumstance, which sometimes we give because the circumstance is negative, sometimes we give because we're, the circumstance is very positive. For example, I'm going to the grocery store and it's Christmas time and I've got, I, I see the little lady ringing the bell and I say, oh man. Who couldn't give to her? It's Christmas time. I feel the Christmas spirit. It's the circumstance, man. And I got a little extra and she's asking it. And it's, it's all positive. And we, and we put the money in the kettle. What, uh, what the Lord says here, look, is that giving is not ultimately motivated by the circumstance or by the concern that I have. I mean, I may... I may think of it that way, but it's really at its, at its very issue, or at its very, its very bottom line, it's an issue of what have I surrendered my heart to. In 2 Corinthians 8, I want to read, starting in verse, starting in verse 1. This is written to a, a group of people that apparently were quite poor, or whose circumstance, if I can say it this, was horrible. Horrible circumstance. And listen to what he said. Brothers... I want you to know about the grace that God has given these Macedonian churches, Macedonia's city in Greece, area in Greece. Out of the most severe trial, so there's their circumstance, uh, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, their circumstance, welled up in, here's what come out of that circumstance, rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Well, you know what? I think I put this... Oh, there it is. Sorry. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond what they were able, 
They pleaded for the privilege of sharing. Now that's talking about the money that they, that they gave to Paul and that he took to Jerusalem to help with people who were going through a famine. But they begged for the privilege to be able to share in that offering. But he said it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the circumstance. It wasn't even about their concern. But I want you to notice what he says. It was about or it was motivated by their surrender of their heart to the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the surrender of their heart. Then to us, that's a donation of money. And he says, catch this, please, because this is, I'm done. This is in keeping with God's will. That's the bottom line. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, just chance and peace and quietness and humility to meditate on your word. Uh, we're excited to give, I think, of next Sunday when we will be able to, to take an offering to give to people and we won't just alone consider our circumstances. We're going to consider what the surrender of our heart is to you along with the circumstances that you, push, that you have placed us in and how exciting that is to, to give in trust and to give in faith to you, to seek your kingdom. And uh, so I just thank you for this chance to, to ruminate about that for a moment. And I pray your blessing upon each of us and that you'll challenge us and guide us in all of, in, in all of our life, not just in giving of money, but in whether it's our time or our, our talents or whatever other area it is. We have something to give. You have seen to it. And so we want to, we want to excitedly give back to you from what you have given to us. And so we, we close with that as, as a prayer of our lips and our heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus.